Hola mi gente. The moment you've been waiting for is finally here. My brand new book, Financially Lit, is officially out. And I can't wait for you to get your copy. Inside this book, I'm bringing you culturally relevant and relatable personal finance advice that will allow you to finally feel seen, heard, and understood. Whether it's the guilt you feel from being the first person to make it while members of your family are still struggling, or the way that financial trauma manifests itself in negative and limiting beliefs around money, Financially Lit is here to guide you through it all. Just a few years ago, it was almost impossible to find personal finance books written for first-generation wealth-building Latinas. We have been forced to navigate the complicated world of money with a bunch of money books written by old white dudes who don't understand what it's like for us first-gen kids. But that stops right here, right now. Inside Financially Lit, you will learn how to set boundaries with your familia, with your dinero, create and pass on generational wealth, diversify and increase your income, protect yourself from financial abuse, navigate the complicated relationship between amor and dinero, invest like a white dude or better, and so much more. You can get your hard copy and audiobook version of Financially Lit at financiallylitbook.com and make sure to join our email list so you can find out when I'm stopping in a city near you for the Financially Lit book tour. See you soon. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. I will stay away from just investing on things um, because, like I said earlier, because somebody told you to, because you saw it online, somebody was said on the internet that this is the next best thing, buy this today. For the most part, those are scams. Never invest based on somebody else's opinion, somebody else's whatever. Always do your own due diligence. And especially as a beginner, invest in companies that you know are legit. You're listening to Yo Quiero Dinero, a personal finance podcast for the modern Latina. I'm your host, Janice Torres Rodriguez, personal finance expert, speaker, writer, and business coach. I teach women of color how to build wealth and gain financial independence through side hustles and investing. On this show, we're serving up POC-friendly personal finance knowledge, always with a side of sass. We're talking about how to make dinero, how to keep it, and how to make it grow. If you're ready to become poderosa with your dinero, you've come to the right place. Hola, mi gente. Welcome back to another episode of Yo Quiero Dinero, the podcast. This is your host, Janice, and today's episode is about how to invest like a girl. What exactly does that mean? Well, a recent Warwick University study actually showed that women outperform men in investing, believe it or not. The study revealed that men are more likely to take risks on more speculative lottery-style stocks where they believe they have the potential of making a lot of money very quickly. And men also tend to hold on to loss-making investments in the hope that they'll make good. By contrast, the slow and steady wins the race mentality sums up the investing approach of many women. The Warwick study found women more, more likely to invest in funds with a consistent record than to opt for the volatility of individual stocks. 
So I think it's safe to say that the data suggests that us mujeres are better investors, but it's really important that we start being in the game, right? If you want to build wealth, investing is an essential part of that whole process. So on today's podcast, I am hosting an amazing mujer who is also Latina, and she's out here educating mujeres like you and I about how to become poderosa stock investors. We're going to be talking to Mabel Nunez, founder and chief education officer of Girls on the Money, a stock market investing education company that targets women, minorities, and people of color who have just been underrepresented in the world of investing. She's passionate about investing education, helping women feel more confident around money, and empowering them to take action and control their finances. She's the best-selling author of two investing books, and she teaches highly rated courses on the topics of personal finance and investing. She brings over 10 years of investing experience and two finance degrees to the game, so you know girlfriend knows what she's talking about. You can follow Mabel on Instagram at Girls on the Money. Before we hop into today's conversation, I want to remind you to follow us on social. If you're loving this podcast and you want more community, you want to find out more about our events and all the stuff that we have going on behind the scenes, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, and everywhere else you love to hang out on the internet. If you're loving this podcast, please take a moment to leave us a review if you listen to us on Apple. It's the easiest way to share our podcast with people that you know and love, and it helps us get discovered by amazing listeners like you. So take a moment, leave us a review, share us with your friends and family, subscribe so that you never miss an episode, and make sure to check out our blog, YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com, where you can sign up for our email list, and you'll never miss an episode. Plus, you get exclusive invitations to our live events, special discounts for our digital courses, and as always, our best personal finance tips and advice to help you be poderosa with your dinero. Thanks for listening. Now, let's get into the episode. Mabel, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you, Janice. I'm very excited for the invitation. So Yes, I love what you're doing. And you are one of the first people that comes to mind for me when I think of what a Latina investor looks like. So why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to the audience? Well, thank you. So my name is Mabel or Mabel. That's the Spanish way. Um, I'm actually Dominican. I was born in DR and I moved here when I was very young. Um, and basically, I discovered investing when I was a senior in college. So as soon as I found out about the stock market, I fell in love with it. I was obsessed with it um, to the point that it became like my hobby. And then eventually, um, as the years went by, I decided to um, just teach people what I had learned, you know, along the way about investing when I, you know, from when I started to invest and everything that I learned along the way and also um, based on my education. So, yeah, so that's uh, pretty much what I do. And I do that through my company, which is called Girls on the Money. Um, we teach courses and workshops and I have books and resources and everything um, focused around teaching beginners how to invest and about the stock market. I love that. And I think it's a topic that so many people are talking about right now. So I'm so glad that you're in this space, educating women, educating Latinas, people of color, people who traditionally are ignored by the financial services industry, which you know very well, right? Because you were actually in that industry for a long time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, about nine years. Um, I worked in the finance industry in different uh, scenarios in different places. And I did notice uh, from the beginning that unless you were a high net worth individual with you know millions of dollars in the bank 
uh, financial industries or you know investing industries don't care about you. They you know they could care because for the most part, the way they make their money is through commissions. So if they cannot make a commission out of you worth thousands of dollars, then you know it's like a waste of time in their eyes. So that's kind of part of the reason why I was motivated to teach investing and educate people about how it works because. At the end of the day, it's really something that anybody can do on their own. It's not rocket science. Um, but, you know, Wall Street people will make you believe that it's really hard so that you can give them their money, your money and have them handle it for you when the reality is that it really isn't. So, yeah, I'm here to like kind of help, you know, help that. I love that. All right. So we're going to dive into your whole backstory. And so let's start with your relationship with money and how that was formed as you were growing up. Can you talk us through kind of what you learned about debt and savings and investing as a child? Yeah, definitely. So I would say um, I'm, I feel fortunate about the fact that I, you know, I grew up in a very, you know, an, an immigrant family, first of all. So when we came to this country, resources were very limited. Um, we were, you know, we lived in a very poor neighborhood in the Bronx in New York City. Um, so my, from a young age, I learned from my mom and my dad how to be frugal, how to live within my means, and how to make, you know, you know, how to make ends meet with whatever money was coming into our household. So um, I learned about frugality from a very young age. My dad um, is a very responsible, like, you know, by the book kind of man. <laughs> so um, from a very young age, he would tell me about, you know, credit cards, like, you know, you can use credit cards, but make sure that you pay them in full. Like he was very strict about those kinds of things. He was like a paying full kind of guy, even though like later on, I, you know, I wasn't like that, but very into that, like, you know, pay the things in full and, and save your money and contribute to a 401k. So I was very lucky and grateful that, you know, I didn't grow up in a rich family at all by any means, but my parents did an amazing job kind of teaching me by example of what it means to just live within your means, be frugal, save your money, avoid credit cards. Um, so um, so that's kind of how I grew up. And I think because of that, I grew up being, um, I'm a very frugal person by nature. So I'm I've never been the type of person that just goes on spending spree, sprees and, and wants the most expensive things. And I think all of that is because of my childhood and the way that I grew up. So I think it all kind of connects. Yeah, it definitely does. And it sounds like your parents definitely set you up for success with kind of the mindset that it takes to just not live in this cycle of debt and, and craziness that so many of us can get wrapped up in, especially as we start to earn money as adults, you know, getting our first jobs out of college. Uh, I know me personally, like I just went crazy. Like I was making money and I grew up very like, you know, lower middle class. So I didn't have a ton of stuff when I was growing up. So when I started making money, I started going crazy and just buying all these things that I didn't need. And it took a very long time for me to get out of this mindset where I had to spend money to show that I was successful. Yeah, it happens. It's a very common thing. So, you know, it's nothing to be embarrassed about or be ashamed of because it's actually a very common thing, it's, you know, especially when you get out of college and start, start making your own money and you're like, oh my God, like I could buy whatever I want now. So it's, you know, it's a natural, I guess, process that we go through. So Absolutely. So it's a journey, right? The same way that investing is a journey. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's fast forward and talk about your career. So you actually graduated with a Bachelor of Science in Finance. And then what did you end up doing with that? So um, I, I 
I switched my major to finance because of the my obsession with the stock market. So I was in, the, in business school in college, and I didn't know what I was gonna what was gonna be my concentration. So then I came across finance, and I'm like, oh my god, this is amazing! So I became a finance major, and my um, my goal with that was to work like in investment banking or whatever. But first of all, I was a Latina with no connections whatsoever, Wall Street, you know, connections of any kind. Um, so I actually started working in the insurance industry, um, which I was, you know, I'm glad that I actually got hired before I graduated. So I had a, a job lined up, um, before graduation, but it had nothing to do with, you know, I wanted to do like investment banking and stuff like that. So but it was, it was a, it was a, a great experience anyway, because I ended up working for like a Fortune five, Fortune 500, um, insurance company. And I learned about the, the finance side of insurance. I wasn't selling insurance. I was more in the corporate finance side or underwriting and stuff like that. So, yeah, so that's kind of what I did for many, many years. And um, during my corporate jobs, I decided that I wanted to get an MBA in order to kind of um, strengthen my interest in, in investing and maybe become a better investor. If that was what was going on in my head. Like, oh my God, I'm going to get an MBA in finance so that I could be you know a, a better a better investor and turns out that higher degrees like mbas masters in finance they don't teach you anything about real life investing <laughs> nothing <laughs> like zero <laughs> so anybody's listening to this and said it thinks that they're gonna you know they're gonna be an investor because they got an mba in finance or a master's in finance please save your money that's not <laughs> the way to go and I realized that like halfway through my MBA I was just like what am I doing here this is not teaching me what I want to learn but I was you know I'm one of those people that I want to finish what I started so I finished the MBA and all of that but I just like to make that point that you don't need any higher degrees or any fancy degrees to be a successful investor yeah, I've heard the same story from people who studied like accounting and they're just like, they teach you how to make money for the business that you're going to work for. They don't teach you how to make money for yourself. Exactly. That boils it, yeah, that's what it boils down to. If you want to be like a finance manager for a business or, you know, corp working corporate finance, then yeah, I guess it works for that, but not for, not for my intention. Okay. So you worked in corporate America for about nine years, and then you created this business, right? So tell us about it. Yeah, so I the, the name Girls and the Money actually came up while I was sitting in a cubicle. I was working in Wall Street, but not in the investment banking. I was working for an insurance company in Wall Street. And I was like sitting in my cubicle one day, and I'm like, oh, Girls and the Money. I don't even know, like... Maybe I was reading something online or something connected to on the money. And then I, you know, just like the, the phrase came together. I'm like, oh, okay. So um, I looked up the domain. It was still available. I'm like, oh, this is meant to be. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that was actually 2012 or 2013, I want to say, when the name came to mind. And um, the reason why it made sense to me is because when I started to invest and I started becoming coming very interested in investing the majority of the people i would say 99 of the people that will talk to me about that topic about stocks and stuff like that will be men like very rarely if ever uh, a female friend of mine or you know a, a, another girl will want to talk to me about stocks they'll be like you know they'll look at me like i was crazy like what are you stocks? <laughs> like isn't that for like rich white people like you know it, it was just like they would have very write. common misconception. Yeah, it is. So they didn't even want to entertain the topic. And I'm like, oh my God, like investing is such an amazing thing. Like more women should be doing it. So uh, that's kind of how like the 
the idea behind Girls and the Money and the mission came about just to like educate more women about investing, get them excited and show them that it's not difficult and just get them started investing. So got it. I love that. All right. So let's walk through your evolution as an investor. Like how did you actually get started? So I discovered the market in my senior year of college, like a semester before graduation. And, you know, I I was like, oh, my God, everybody should be doing this. But then the thing is that unless you have done it hands-on, unless you know how to open an investment account, unless you know how to do a transaction online, connecting the dots is not that clear. So even though I learned about investing that year, I didn't start investing until about four years later. And the only reason, and, you know, between that time, I was obsessed with the markets. I was, I was looking at Yahoo Finance all day, reading articles, reading books. But I was still like, how do I make the connection? Like, how do I open an investment account? How do I actually buy a stock? You know, I could have, even though I had a finance degree, I, (laughs) (laughs) like the very basic stuff, like I still couldn't make the connection, which is, you know, part of why I do what I do. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't until four years later, I was, I had in my corporate job, but I don't know if God or the universe sent this person. So there was a new hire in that company and they ended up sitting that new hire right next to me. And one day, because like something that I want to mention is that my obsession with in, investing was so big that I would talk to just random people about stuff. Like, <laughs> Like something that I like to like, I just laugh about when I think about it. Like I will go on job interviews that had nothing to do with investing, and I will bring up stocks. And <laughs> which, looking back, I'm like, these people probably thought I was crazy. So I would just talk about. So obviously, the conversation came about with this coworker, and he was like, "Oh, I've been investing since I was 16. Like, oh, let me show you." So that afternoon, he like walked me through the process. You know, this is the way you set up an account. This is how you transfer the money. This is how you buy a stock. And that weekend, finally, after like five, four or five years of me wanting to invest, that same weekend, I opened my account. And the, that Monday, I bought my first stock and the rest is history. But it wasn't until that person walked me through the process that I actually, you know, connected the dots and everything made sense. Mm-hmm. So that's when I started to invest. So and, you know, I, I continue to educate myself, adding stuff to my portfolio and continue to read, read books and listen to podcasts. Um, it Maybe it wasn't until like 2011 when I started to listen to podcasts because back in those days, that didn't really exist. Right. But, um, yeah. So that's how I started my journey. And, and my love for investing grew even more as the years went by, as I learned more. And, and I actually started investing the summer of 2008. So oh, wow. Yeah, which was, it was like, it was still like the euphoria was still going on. It wasn't until like September of 2008 that the markets fell apart. So imagine starting to invest and then, you know, you're all excited and then the whole market crashes. Like, what was that experience like? So it wasn't, to, to be honest, I was very excited because I didn't have, you know, I was, I had just started investing like a few months before and I didn't have a lot of money in the market. I had maybe like a few thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. So to me, it was like, oh my God, like all these amazing companies that I wanted to buy three months ago are now 50% off, 40% off. And I was like super excited. And I think it's because I didn't have a lot of money in the market. So I would understand if somebody has a lot of money 
you know, $100,000 plus and something like that happens, it could be devastating. But to me, it was an amazing time. And I feel like it was perfect timing. So I started to like invest more during those, those times. I'm like, oh my God, okay, now I can get this and that for this price. So it was, it was an exciting time. But if you ask me, if you ask me that, like in March of this year, for example, I don't know if you remember that yeah. crash significantly. And obviously, I have been investing for twelve years. So imagine having twelve years worth of investments. <laughs> That's a different vibe. <laughs> Way different experience. So twelve years worth of investing. I saw my portfolio drop by like forty percent. Oh wow! In a week, in like a, it wasn't really like gradual. Like oh, you know, it took like six months. No, it was a week. So it really taught me that I, I, whatever I preach is what I do because I always tell people when the market drops or whatever, don't freak out. Think about your investments. Do, are you comfortable with what you own? Do you feel that you have quality investments in your portfolio? Are you good to let them be? And I was like, even though I saw my whole portfolio crash by that much, I knew that I hadn't lost any money because I hadn't sold anything and I still had faith in my stocks and what I own. So I left it alone. And, you know, fast forward like a month later, everything was back to normal. So that kind of taught me like, okay, I am, I, I, you know, I was tested because that was like, oh my God, like that was very scary. <laughs> but then I realized, okay, I am, I, you know, even though it's a scary time, I'm not going to lie that I wasn't freaking out. I was, you know, I was like, oh my God, I had never seen this happen before. But I realized that I am I am a long term long term investor, and I do have the, the the tolerance to you know to tolerate those type of situations. Right. So, yeah. So it was two completely different scenarios. But yeah. Um. So that's kind of how I started, and um. Yeah. I think that <laughs> that's the whole story, I guess, behind that. I love that, and it's funny because I totally get what you're saying. Like I started investing. Well, I graduated from college in. May of 2007. And I had my first job right out of college. So I was investing in my 401k and then the market crashed like six months later. So I remember it like vaguely because that was a long time ago. But then as time has gone on, I've continued to invest. And this past March felt like the most traumatic roller coaster that you could ever be on. But it's also about like that education. Like I had the the education to know that this is all part of the normal cycle of the market. So we're just experiencing something that has continued to happen over decades. And this is an opportunity to really transfer wealth because that's what, it, that's what happened. So many people were able to purchase securities that they never could have afforded. Yep. And now they're probably worth more than they were before the crash. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, that's why you, it, it's key what you said about the importance of being educated and knowing that it is a normal thing. Because somebody that just got started and maybe doesn't know that that's how the market works, you know, freaks out, sells everything and says, oh my God, forget this. This is too <laughs> crazy. And then they regret it like two days later. So yeah. yeah, what you said is very key. Like that's why it's so important to, you know, be educated. In, in Absolutely. All right. So I'm curious because you obviously deal with a lot of women that want to become investors. What are some of the limiting beliefs that you continue to see in our community when it comes to investing? Um, I would say that one of them is that you need a lot of money that people feel that, you know, unless I have $5,000 saved or, you know, thousands of dollars that I cannot start investing. And 
the reality is that in this day and age, investing has never been more accessible. So it doesn't cost anything to open an account. There's no account minimums. Like if you have $100 to start investing, you can start with $100. If you have $50, you can start with that. So you don't need a lot of money to just kind of get the, the get that ball rolling. Um, so that's like one big thing that I would say. And also another misconception or limiting belief is that, um, you know, you need to you know, have a degree in finance or have <laughs> experience unless like, you know, I cannot invest unless like, let me leave this to the professionals, to the Wall Street people, because I don't know what I'm doing. And the reality is that if you take some time to learn the skill, you can do it on your own. So I think those two things, like the allegedly lack of money, which is, you know, a myth um, is one of them. And then the lack of, you know, experience, which, you know, you get with time, but you can, it doesn't take a lot to get started. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. So I want to talk about like your advice for beginner investors, right? Say people are listening to this conversation and they're like, you know what, Mabel, you have convinced me I want to start investing, but they are in the position that you were where you can't connect the dots. Mm -hmm. So they want to do it, but they don't know how. So what advice would you give to them to get started? Okay. Yeah. Great question. So I would say, um, start saving money for investing, like for investing purposes specifically. And I do like to give a disclaimer, like on the side of things, like you know, on, you know, if somebody has a lot, of, a lot of credit card debt, like consumer debt and stuff like that, um, I would recommend kind of getting rid of that first before investing. And I know a lot of people don't like to hear that, but the reason is that credit cards have ridiculous interest interest rates, like twenty seven percent, or I don't even know, eighteen percent, twenty percent, like crazy percentages. So even if you're investing whatever you're making is being negated by the debt that's accumulating on the, on the side, like the credit card debt that's this mounting because it never stops. It's like by the second it's grow, it grows apparently. So, you know, even if you're investing, it might negate, um, it might negate your prop, negate your profits because you have credit card debt. So I would say uh, get rid of that, um, first to just have a clean slate and, um, I feel differently about student loans. I feel like student loans, as long as you're paying your minimum payment every month or whatever it is, you don't need to pay that off to start investing. Like I had student loans when I started to invest. So I wouldn't, you know, I put that in a, in a different category, but like the credit card debt is what kind of bothers me. So I would get rid of that. So let's say somebody that, okay, I paid off my credit card debt. I, I, I'm ready to save some money to invest. I will say, Open an investment account is very easy and straightforward to do that in this day and age. So I'll give you examples. So something like TD Ameritrade, Schwab, Fidelity, Ali Invest, all of those are online brokers that you can open on your own in your house. You know, if you have internet access, that's all you need. And the application process is very similar to you opening like a, if you are applying for a credit card or, a, you know, opening a bank account online. The application process to open an investment account is very similar. So you don't need to go to a bank and talk to like, you know, the, somebody with like 3,000 credentials to open an investment <laughs> account. That's no longer necessary. You can do that from home. So I would say open that and then you're going to, you're going to, like, as you go through the application process, you're going to come across the section where you have to link your bank account to the investment account so that you can transfer money to invest. And I will say, do that. That will be the first step because, you know, you already will have an investment account open. You Maybe you transferred $50 or $100, whatever it is, and you already have that set up. And I think that's taking that action can be very motivating because you can be like, okay, 
I already have an investment account. Now, now the next step, it would just be to like think of like a stock that I want to buy or, you know, that would be like the next step. So I would say, yeah, I would say open that. And if you, even if you don't know what you want to buy yet, and maybe you want to get educated first on how investing works, which I recommend, um, even if you just start transferring money from your check into your investment account so that when, once you're ready to take action, you already have some money there waiting for you and it will be that much easier. So I would say that will be one a first step. Another step would be to make a list of companies that you like that you love that you maybe you're a customer of and that you believe are strong businesses. And those could be your that could be your like your watch list of pr- prospective investments so that you can start doing some research and and saying okay, maybe I want to buy two shares of this stock to start off with um because you know, always have a reason behind behind why you want to buy something. Don't just buy because somebody told you to buy it. That's another risky thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, so I would say that like if, if, if when it comes to taking action, making that list and then opening an investment account are like two key steps. Yeah, so I I think that's excellent advice and it's about building that habit, right? So once you get into the habit of actually just putting money into your investment account regardless of whether or not you're actually purchasing securities, just the action gets you in the mindset of an investor. And um so I'm curious what your thoughts are on like robo advisors. Do you recommend them for beginners? I think they're great, but they have a purpose. So let's say that you're someone that wants to be hands off. Like, let's say that you want to be invested in the market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online store shop phase to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. What I love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com dinero, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dinero now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dinero. You don't, you don't feel like you're going to be 
um, you're going to have the motivation or the time or the patience to like look up stocks or look up index funds or ETFs and do the, and do your research. If you want to leave that up to somebody or up to something else, then robo advisors could be ideal because how they, the way they work is that you open an account, you fill out an application and in the application, you kind of tell the robo advisor what your risk tolerance is and also your goals, your financial goals. So based on your on your tolerance for risk and your financial goals, whatever money you send to them is invested in accord in accordance to that. So you don't have to make any decisions at all. Uh, you can you can kind of leave it up to the. It's like a an algorithm, um, artificial intelligence platform that invests on people's behalf. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's not really like a, a live person investing for you. It's actually like a machine. Um, and they do that, you know, like I said, based on artificial intelligence. And and again, it's hands off. I am not their target market because I am very hands on. Like I like to research my own ETFs or my own stocks or my own index funds and make my own decisions and do it on my own. Um, but for somebody that doesn't feel like they want to do that, then robo advisors can be an excellent option. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely how I started when I was, you know, becoming an investor outside of my workplace 401k because I didn't have the knowledge or the education to really feel like I knew what I was doing when I wanted to pick stocks. So say that someone is already at the point that they're ready to start buying individual stocks, but the whole research process like stresses them out. Do you have any tips for how to learn about investing like in individual stocks and how to pick companies or how to just even understand what the heck all these ticker symbols mean. What are some, some of your favorite resources? Yeah. So that's why I teach like a six weeks bootcamp that walks people through that process because the process of researching a stock, um, it's, you know, it's a lot of steps at yeah. first when you're first learning how to do it. Like, for example, I teach um, my students how to find, like how to look into financials, how to find, if the company is making any like any money, like what their what their revenue is, what their profit is, how much do they have in cash, how much do they have in debt, um, and you know other ratio and like other financial ratios, which sounds like it's hard, but it really isn't because I'm showing people where to find this data and how to understand it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not telling people to, like there's no cre- there's no um, calculator involved of any kind. There's no calculations in, or any formulas. It's just go to this website, find the information and analyze it. So some of my favorite um, websites to find this data are like Yahoo Finance is a great resource and everything is free. So something that um, everybody should know is that by law, publicly traded companies, like companies that issue stuff to the public have have to make their um, their financials and all their data available for free. So all of this is on the internet. So Yahoo Finance does a great job of, uh, having this information there. Another website that I like is Morningstar.com. Morningstar has a like a paid version, but uh, the free version has always been amazing. Like that's what I've been using for many years. So they have both options. So you can find um, the da- the data on either one of those websites. And also another thing that people may not know is that co- all all public companies have a tab on their website that. Is called investors or investors relations. And that tab shows you like all the data that you would need to 
like look into in order to make an investing decision. So all all the financial reports, all the letters to shareholders, all the like um, press releases, all of that is under the investors relations tab. So you can also find the data there. But I know that for a beginner that's starting to research stocks, this can sound like a lot of information. So I would say, um, ask like to get started, ask yourself a few questions. So one question I would say is the company like do you see the company um solid enough to still be around in the next three, three to ten three to five years or three to ten years or, or or beyond if you feel that it's a company that's here today and gone tomorrow maybe that's not a good investment um also i would say um competition like i personally don't like to invest in companies that are have a lot of competitors so think about the company that you're considering is it a leader in their industry i like to invest in leaders like cream of the crop number one companies if there's a company that has like 20,000 competitors like they're all doing the same thing and and it's hard to know who the leader is i don't like to invest in those kinds of companies that's another thing that i would say beginners should think about and another quick metric that you can look up real fast on, on like Yahoo Finance is called EPS, is earnings per share. So if you look up a company on a site like Yahoo Finance, um, on like if you put the name of the company in the search tab and you and you see the page that gives you all the data, look for a metric that says EPS. That stands for earnings per share. If that metric is negative, um, it tells you that the company is not profitable at the present time. So are you comfortable investing in a business that's not currently profitable? So those, if you ask yourself those three questions to start with for your research, you know, you're already on the right path. At least do that homework. I will stay away from just investing on things um, because, like I said earlier, because somebody told you to, because you saw it online. Somebody was said on the internet that this is the next best thing. Buy this today. For the most part, those are scams. Mm-hmm. So never invest based on somebody else's opinion, somebody else's whatever. Always do your own due diligence. And especially as a beginner, invest in companies that you know are legit, um, that you know have been around for many years, that are solid. Stay away from up-and-coming biotech or up-and-coming whatever, because nine times out of 10, one, they're penny stocks. They're selling for like under a dollar. Um, and nine times out of 10, those stocks don't go anywhere. They will just linger in your portfolio and do nothing. Um, and there, to me, and I, I'm not... a I am not uh, shy about saying that I consider penny stocks to be trash. I would never, (laughs) I would never put my money in penny stocks. I know it has, you know, a lot of people are fans of them. I like to invest in quality because that has, that's what has worked for me. Even stocks that people might consider to be expensive, turns out that winners keep on winning. So you don't want to put your money in like. Oh, let me buy this because it's cheap and I could get a hundred shares because it's only fifty cents. You're buying, you're you're gambling when you're doing that. So don't do that. Buy legit businesses. Buy if you're gonna be investing stocks, I'd rather you buy real companies or put your money in an index fund or an ETF as opposed to just gambling your money away with like penny stocks. I wish I had known you like when I started <laughs> investing because when you're talking about this, especially the penny stock situation, I'm like. I look at my portfolio every day and the crap that I bought when I first started is still there. I have like 800 shares of this useless stock that's worth like 80 cents. I bought it at like $5 and it's just crap. And I, it's like, you think that, oh, cause it's cheap. Oh, let me just 
get it because I can afford it. And it's like, no, you're just literally throwing money away. Just don't do it. <laughs> I'm glad you like you experienced it because it's it's a very common thing for especially for like you're now now you're experienced, you know what you're doing, but for beginners, it's a very common thing for them to just buy the cheapest thing because they think, oh, you know, I'm investing now. Right. Like, all these things that you don't even know what the company is about. So, yeah, don't, don't do that. <laughs> I think it's because, you know, I came into it with a consumer mentality versus the investing mentality where it's like you buy things that are cheap because you can. And it's like, no, you don't do that in investing. It's like completely different mindset. Yes. Yeah, very. I love how you put it. That is so true. Yeah. Yeah. So something that people may not know about you is that you actually left your corporate finance career to make this business your full time thing, and that's something that a lot of our listeners are thinking about doing. Mm -hmm. So I would love for you to share kind of how you made that happen for yourself. Yeah. So it was a very scary decision to make, to be honest. So I had graduated with an MBA. Um. So I had this fancy degree and the expectation when you get a degree like that is like okay you're gonna go work for you know a corporate like a fancy corporate bank or whatever and to be honest that was my original plan when I start when I first um joined the MBA program but then I realized that maybe I had a, a different mission in life like instead of going to work for an investment bank and to make the rich the already rich richer maybe my mission was to kind of help the people that don't have this information um, to understand investing and to become rich themselves, like to grow wealth themselves, as opposed to me just helping the wealthy people get even wealthier. So, and, and you know, I felt that Girls on the Money and the mission of teaching investing to my, like women, minorities, people of color, people that are not exposed to this information, I honestly feel that is a God-given mission. Like, I feel that I was given this life mission. You know, a lot of people say that, like, oh, yeah, this is my, you know, this is my passion or whatever. But I really feel that it's a mission because I feel this information is, is very much needed in our community for people because we're not exposed to it. And unfortunately, when we are exposed to it, it's from people that are scammers, people that tell you, buy this Bitcoin, buy this Forex, buy this penny stock. When we are exposed to this information, we are being exposed to it on, uh, through the side that is not legit. That is, that is like, you know, like I said, like shady. Yeah, sh exactly. Shady is scammy. So if that's even a word. <laughs> <laughs> so to me, I feel like I was given this mission of teaching people what real investing looks like. Like this is how real Wall Street people invest. This is how I, like Wall Street analysts high wealth individuals this is how they invest they don't put their money in trash so i feel like i was um you know that was my thing too like i needed to create this business so that i can fulfill that mission and the reason i say that it was scary is because i come from an immigrant family like i said earlier so we're expected to pursue a job we're a 401k and a very like serious job that you maybe you can retire with a, with a pension or whatever in the future and that's all amazing. Like, that's all great things. But like, if you're sitting in a job and you're thinking like, okay, this is not what I'm meant to be doing. Um, you know, I'm, maybe I'm going to disappoint my parents or whatever. It's a hard decision to make. But thankfully, um, my parents are very supportive. Like, even though, even though at first they didn't know what the heck I was doing, like, you know, <laughs> which, you know, people can probably relate to that. Like, what do you mean you're going to, what are you going to do at home all day? Like, I know I can <laughs> surely relate to that. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, what, like my mom was like, "You're not gonna leave the house. Like, what the hell is going on?" So, you know, I was, you know, working from home. But um, yeah. So I just saw that that was my mission, and I decided to pursue it. Even even though, like, I felt, you know, my parents um sacrificed so much for my education, and and I did work in, you know, it, it's not like I graduated undergrad and and just gotta, you know, started my business right away. Like I did work in corporate, like. I feel like I made them proud and then eventually I kind of like did my own thing. But something that I want to emphasize, anybody out there thinking about starting a business, like make sure that you are saving money first. Like don't just jump out of your job to start a business and you don't have anything saved and you have all the, all these debt. Like starting a business is not like having, you know, chilling in, at the beach and hanging out and it's so easy. It's not easy. It's like it's, mm-hmm. at the beginning, you have to like, you know, find your clients and you, you need to have money saved just so that you can be flexible with whatever happens. So uh, don't let social media, you know, you know, how you say it, like make it seem like it's so easy and cool to be your own, uh, your own boss. It's a lot of hard work. So it you want to have, you know, so you can, yeah, you can speak to this. So you, you want to have something, you know, you have, you want to have some type of foundation so that you can be okay, you know? So what foundation did you set up for yourself before you decided, you know what, I think I'm ready to go and do this? So I have been, you know, like I said earlier, like I've always been very frugal. So I've always been a saver by nature. Like um, I, this is kind of embarrassing, but I drove, uh, <laughs> and there's an article about this on the internet. So I drove a 1996 car for like over 10 years. Oh like, my God. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> Girl, that is commitment to frugality on another level. My God. <laughs> like my parents are like, will get so mad at me. Like, what are you doing? Like, you need, you need a new car. Like, like I was, <laughs> like, I would say like most of my paycheck, even though like eventually I moved, I moved out of my parents' house when I was 27. So I have my own apartment. I have my bills, but I was still saving as much as I could. Um, I didn't have any fancy anything. So the reason why I was so, such a frugal person and also my investments, obviously I was also investing at the same time is because I knew that eventually I was going to leave my corporate job. And I wanted to have an, like a foundation where like I could comfortably build my business. I don't have to stress out about paying rent, about whatever. Like I could say, okay, I have my savings, thank God. And I can, I can grow my business, even if at first I'm not making what X amount of money, at least I, I'm okay. Like I'm not freaking out because I have my savings and I can cover my overhead. So so that's kind of what I did. Like I made sure that I have my savings um, set before I left that corporate job, just because, just for peace of mind. And then I was, you know, people would ask me like, why are you so cheap? Or why are you saving? <laughs> like, why are you like so saving all this money and investing all this money? Like, what is the point? And like people, like I didn't really tell people why, because I think people w- wouldn't get it. But my mission was I'm saving and investing for my freedom so that when I'm ready to leave corporate America, I can leave with peace of mind and be comfortable with what I'm doing. So that's pretty much my, that was my reason. And that's when I kind of what I told my parents when they, you know, yeah. when they were like asking me, what, how are you going to survive? I'm like, you know, I've been pre- getting, pre- I've been getting ready for this for years. It's just like, I haven't really talked about it because I felt like people wouldn't understand. So. Right. Oh my gosh. This reminds me of a conversation that I literally had with my father yesterday where I'm like, you know what, Papi? like I'm, my business is growing. Like, I think I'm ready to just like 
pull the plug on the nine to five. And he's like, I pero mija, just do both, you know, get all the money you can. And I'm just like, I don't want to spend like a quarter of my day, you know, 30% of my day doing some shit that I don't care about. Like, why? <laughs> That's what my dad told me too. It's so funny. He was like, why don't you just do both? And when your business like takes <laughs> off, just, you know, you can leave. And then I'm like, yeah, how long is that going to take? Like, I don't know. Like, I don't right. want to in you know, so yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what my dad told me too. Yeah. And it, it's okay if nobody gets it because it's not their life to live. It's yours. Yeah, so true. Very true. <laughs> All right. So I want you to tell us why, especially as women and women of color, we should care about investing. Investing to me is like, the ultimate skill. Like <laughs> it's like so amazing. And the reason why you should care is like, first of all, like, I mean, you should only care if you have personal financial plans that you want to accomplish. Like maybe eventually you also want to quit your job or maybe eventually maybe you're saving and investing for to buy property or to travel the world or whatever it is. You know, obviously you're going to need money for that. But like the more like the technical reasons are that inflation is very real. So inflation just means that the value of a dollar today is not going to be the same tomorrow. So a dollar today might be, I don't know, 80 cents in 10 years or even less. So if your money is not keeping up with inflation, even if you're saving money, your money is depreciating, you're sitting in the bank. And not to say that you shouldn't have savings in the bank. You absolutely should. Like your emergency fund money that you need immediately like for emergencies should be in the bank saved, like easily accessible. But money that you don't need for emergencies or anything like that should be invested because that way you can keep up with inflation and, you know, even surpass inflation. And that's the most efficient way to like grow your wealth. It is impossible to grow wealth just by saving money and like hoping for the best or putting the money under your mattress. That is not how you grow wealth. So, um, Investing is just uh, an efficient and, and I guess a quicker way to, to reach your financial goals than just like saving money and, you know, just seeing what happens. Yep. I love that advice. And I think so many of us grow up with this fear mentality when it comes to money. And so we just want to like hoard it, but hoard it in a place that's quote unquote safe, right? So, you know, some of us keep it under the mattress, some of us put it in a bank, but there's this big like fear around the market. So from a mindset perspective, like what advice do you have for people to get past the fear mindset that is probably keeping them from becoming an investor? Yeah, great, great question. So I would say start slow. Like you don't have to go crazy and like put all this money in all these different stocks. I would say just start slow. One excellent way that you can start, um, I guess, dipping into the markets with, you know, not a lot of risk are ETFs. And maybe a lot of people in your audience might not know what ETFs are. So ETFs are similar to index funds. So basically, just to explain it in a, I guess, a clear way is that instead of buying a stock in a company, like let's say you like Apple stock, but you also like other companies like Amazon and um, Facebook and Netflix and Starbucks. Instead of buying one share of stock in a company, you buy a basket. And an ETF is like a basket of different stocks. And for the most part, they're like very well-known companies, like like the ones I just mentioned. So you can buy an ETF for like $200 and you're going to automatically be a part owner of all these businesses through that one investment. So that is one excellent way to um, to kind of get started um, in your journey so that you're not taking a lot of risk 
and you're still be, you're still investing, but you're doing it with caution. And if, if anybody in your audience wants to see an example of what I'm talking about, if you Google something like S&P 500 Vanguard ETF, for example, that's one example that I could give you. Um, and you and you click on the Vanguard result and scroll down. I'm just trying to explain it so people could like look do it themselves at home. Mm-hmm. You scroll down and you're gonna see a list of companies. Those are all the companies that are in that basket, and you're gonna notice that there's, there's like Apple and Amazon and Starbucks and all these major corporations that you can buy for like two hundred dollars, like a basket for like you know very very affordable. So that is one way to do it. Um, I am a fan of stocks. I'm a huge fan of stocks, but I'm not, you know, like I said earlier, I'm a fan of high quality stocks. So maybe you want to buy a couple of shares of Apple. Like, don't go crazy. Like, just start slow. Maybe you tell yourself, okay, I'm going to take this $500 or $300, whatever, and I'm going to buy one ETF and two shares of this stock. And just, I'm going to, and then I'm going to leave it alone. I'm not going to do anything else. I'm going to, I'm going to, Watch it every day and see how I feel. If you feel that you you get too scared, like, oh my God, the market's down today and I'm down $5, I'm freaking out. Like, if you're like that type of person, um, maybe you want to go with a robo-advisor that you mentioned earlier. Maybe you want to be like more hands-off and not handle it yourself. But even if you do that, you're still going to see your portfolio like drop when the market drops and rise when the market rises. You're not going to be able to escape that anyway. So um, I will say just start slow. Um, I will say do it yourself. I think that's the best way to be excited about the market and excited about investing is if you do it yourself and you actually you you actually have skin in the game and you're watching it. You know you're you can feel proud of yourself because you made you you bought the the ETF or you bought the stock and you're keeping track of it and you did it. So it just very it's very empowering. But like my point is like you don't have to start with a lot of money. Just maybe a couple of hundred dollars. Or up to maybe 500 if you have that and just like start that way. That is excellent advice. And I love what you said about like the empowering factor. And I totally agree with you because I feel like when I started buying individual stocks, I felt like I was forming like a relationship with this company. I was like getting to know it and getting to understand how it performs. And then that makes you more confident because then you actually feel like you're not buying something you don't understand because you watch it and you see what it does and you start calling into like investors like report meetings and you start like really feeling like somebody who has a vested interest in the success of this company that you're throwing money at. And I think that's freaking cool. (laughs) Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from everything iconic, ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget. Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Yeah, I always think about the fact like when I walk into a Starbucks or I, or I buy Nike sneakers, and I think about the fact that I'm a part owner of these companies. Like, I'm like, oh my God, like I own a piece of this business and I have the product. Like, it's very cool that you said it is very empowering. Like, just to be also, in, you don't have to be just a consumer. You can also be an owner of the business through mm. investment. So, I love that. And I, I want to ask you about this because I feel like it ties directly into what you just said. So, what is your money mantra? 
oh, my money mantra is that, and something I tell people all the time is that if you can afford the product, you can afford the stock. Like, Hello. <laughs> <laughs> that 99% of the time, you can buy that thing that you love, that product or that service. For the most part, you can also buy the stock. So. Listen, that is so damn true. And that's a conversation that I have with myself every time I want to go on Amazon and buy something. I'm like, you know what? I feel okay about this because I also own Amazon shares. So they're making money. I'm making money. It's it's okay. Amen. <laughs> Absolutely. That's how I think about it too. <laughs> Mabel, this conversation has been amazing. So thank you so much for being here. And for anybody that wants to find out more about you, follow your journey, work with you, where can we find you? Yeah, so the easiest way to find me is on Instagram at, at Girls on the Money. Um, I'm also on Facebook with the same name. If you put the name of the search bar, it will come up. Um, and my email is hello at girlsonthemoney.com. If anybody has any questions about anything that I just talked about today, I'll be more than happy to answer. Thank you so much. I think you have empowered me as an investor. You have reaffirmed that I'm doing the right thing. And I hope that this conversation inspires anybody who's been on the fence about investing to just get started. Cause that's all it takes y'all just mm -hmm. get started. Yep. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Bueno, mi gente, I hope that that episode has you feeling ready to tackle investing because we gave y'all a mad free game on this episode. I'm just saying like how to start an investment account, how to pick good stocks, what you should be looking for, how to open your brokerage account, robo-advisors. I mean, the list goes on and on. So I definitely recommend listening back to this episode, writing down important points, making a goal to start an investment account if you don't already have one this year. And maybe if you already do, it's time for you to start thinking about what stocks you're gonna start purchasing in 2021. For me, this year represents an opportunity to just level up on a whole new playing field. And I hope that you're thinking about this year. When it comes to 2021, I think it's time that we stop putting our goals, our dreams, our ambitions to build wealth and become powerful as fuck with our money. It's time for us to set some serious goals, build some serious wealth, and make some serious money moves. So until next time, stay invested, stay empowered, and stay poderosa. On the Yo Quiero Dinero podcast and associated entities, all information provided is for general information purposes only and does not constitute accounting, legal, tax, or other professional advice. Listeners should not act upon the content or information found here without first seeking appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional. We assume no responsibility for information contained on this podcast and associated entities and disclaim all liability with respect to such information, including but not limited to any liability for errors, inaccuracies, omissions, or misleading or defamatory statements. Usage of this podcast and associated content constitutes an explicit understanding and acceptance of the terms of this disclaimer. 